Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. It's Friendly Friday. I don't know if you guys love seeing Steve Friend or if you just love the fact that it's Friday and Steve Friend's arrival signals a Friday. But either way, these are always our most popular shows. So we're really excited. We're going to be bringing on the real Steve Friend at Real Steve Friend on Twitter. And just to keep it interesting, real underscore Steve Friend on True Social. Uh, We'll have him on in just one moment. We're going to be talking about the Day of Rage, also known as the Day of Jihad. Which I don't know if you guys got, but I got good morning messages from my friends who are federal agents saying, happy Jihad Day, act accordingly. And so in that uh, spirit, here it is. We have a red background for the Day of Rage. This is what I'm feeling about right now. You'll also notice that there's at least a several, well, there's a couple of pistols there in the corner. Those are all revolvers. And we don't we don't mess around here. I'm going to tell you guys a funny story when Steve gets on because I think Steve will appreciate it as well. We have very different types of spouses. My spouse is prepared to do violence at all times, apparently. I'll show you how. Uh, before we get uh, Steve on, let's go ahead and say thanks to our friends, our sponsors, the uh, the wonderful people over at Catholic Vote. I always encourage you guys to go check out the loop. Kaboom. There is the loop for today, Friday, October the 13th, Friday the 13th. Always an exciting day. We're going to talk about what that date might actually mean. But what do they talk about on the loop? The loop says that Scalise is no longer running for speaker. Uh-oh. Okay. Catholics are leading the charge against the abortion mandate. Americans are starting to evacuate from Israel. Well, that's a little late to the party there. Thanks, John Kirby. Seems like he's doing a great job. Syrian airports were born because they got, or bombed rather, because they got involved. And they are messing around. And Hamas is bragging. I think this is the story that's worth reading. Most of all, Hamas is bragging that they planned this attack two years ago. And in the same breath, they're crying that Israel is giving them now 24 hours to get out of Gaza before they level it. Um, Look, it's all ugly. As we said, this all has an opportunity cost. Every single thing that you are seeing on the news, all the emotions that you are are, uh, engaging in and all of the cerebral activity focusing on this has a significant cost about the things that matter more to you, the things that are going on at home. But that being said, if you're starting off the day and you were not prepared... For the day of rage, hold on, where's my day of rage? The day of jihad, if you were not prepared, I encourage you to make sure that as you end the day, as you come back to your homes, you have a full tank of gas. You never know when you may need some mobility. You got a little bit of water stashed, fill up some jugs, fill up your Patriot cooler, whatever you got. Make sure that you have some uh, potable water. Make sure you've got a couple days worth of food. You should always have that. I was telling people last night on our Badland show where Alpha Warrior and I do a little breakdown of what's going on with police. I said... Treat this like a drill. And the nice thing about a drill is if it turns out to be a real operational threat, you're ready to go. And if it turns out that it's not, it's still good because it was a worthwhile drill. That's my encouragement. Uh, Without further ado, let's go ahead and bring on my buddy, the real Steve Friend. Steve Friend now uh, upgraded studio status. He no longer has a washed out alien face. He no longer has some weird things. He's been rebuilding his whole house in order to become a better guest of the Kyle Serafin Show and maybe the host of a Steve show that's coming down the pipe. What do you think? Could be, man. Could be. And uh, on a day of rage, nobody's coming to take it. I'm ready to go, my man. He said he's ready. What What, what, are, you, what are you flashing there? I'm <laughs> flashing my Glock 48. Son. Okay, Glock 48. So that is uh, what, 10 plus 1? 
Uh, yes. 10 plus one, nine millimeter. We uh, were sporting this last night. I gave this to my wife. She asked me, I said, hun, do you want, do you want a suppressed pistol? Of course. And, and she said, yes. So this is a, a SIG P322. It's a 22 caliber, 22 suppressed. This is an extra mag for it right here. My wife has 20 rounds plus the extra mag plus a suppressor and a light. That's how we roll in the Seraphin household. My wife and I are actually sleeping in different bedrooms right now because I wake up and do the show and she's up all night, you know, off and on with the baby and she's nursing and all that. And no doubt she's sleeping down there with an infant baby in a little crib and sometimes on the bed with her and a suppressed 22 pistol on the nightstand with a light ready to rock and roll. I don't know. I had a I had a rifle next to me and night vision. I may or may not have sat in Ranger panties with like my plate carrier on and my helmet until like 2 a.m. Did anyone else do that? Is that just me? I mean, maybe it's just you, but you never know. You don't want to give the element of surprise away. I, I could have had a sniper's nest set up with uh, with my AR. Uh, an interesting note: my my kids are getting already. You know, Halloween's not even here, but they're already starting to make their Christmas lists. And uh, my, what's, my mom what is asked, on? Yeah, what's on the friend boys list? Well, I, that was very simply. I asked. Like, look, Grandma's uh, interested in uh, find out what you want, and my uh, my six year old said, "I want a Walther suppressed." Why Walther? I don't know. I I think he saw it on a game somewhere and uh, and now assumes that anything that's suppressed is a Walther. So nice. the biggest thing to me, I think it, and you should be proud of him for, is he wants a suppressed pistol because I think it's rude to lose your hearing. It's totally rude. I don't want to shoot with anybody that's not shooting suppressed anymore. I just think that you're an a-hole. Um, but speaking of that, can I just uh, keep going? We had somebody in the chat say, I love the gun shop talk. Um, I want to share with you, we're going to cover a couple things. So folks, here's what you can look forward to. We're going to be talking about the day of rage. We're going to be talking about the significance of Friday the 13th. I know we're kind of a little deep into this already, but we're going to be talking about something that you're not going to hear anywhere else. You might hear it on John Solomon's after us, but we are breaking the story today. We've obtained copies of the FBI's Office of Personal Responsibility, Professional Responsibility, rather, OPR, their disciplinary actions and records for this quarter. And we'll talk about what that means, but this is the the malfeasance and the, and the misdeeds being done by FBI employees that you're paying for. Um, one of the things that would have made the list, apparently, because it got me kicked out of the FBI, was what I did to this baby. Ryan, can you, you got the, look at this. This is how I'm rolling. This is my bureau issue. This is my bureau issue rifle, okay, that I spray painted. And this spray paint, which you, anybody who's ever been in the military knows, this spray paint is actually an infraction because they think that's considered a refinish. And that was one of the things listed on why I can no longer be an FBI employee. So I kind of carry that proudly. It's also an outstandingly accurate weapon system. So that's pretty cool. All I right. think the best part is how you marked your magazine with the initials SN, which needs an explanation for the audience. Well, SN is my operator initials that I had when I was in the Air Force. So people use the first letter of the last name and the last letter of your last name in order to sign off on the orders that you give as an air traffic controller, which I was a tower control operator when I was in the Air Force. I got my FAA tower license so I can theoretically be an air traffic controller. Um, but all that being said, and, and, and when you do it, I'd say like, hey, uh, climb and maintain like 10,000, you know, continue current heading. And then they would go, uh, you know, Roger that November of one, two, five, five, five. And I go, uh, Sierra November. That would be, I acknowledge what I've said. You said it. And I verbally stamp it Sierra November, my initials, Sierra November, S-N. And so I used that for a long time and I've always used it. All my gear, if you look at my underwear, they're marked with it. When I was in the military, that's how I marked my clothing. It was in the back of my jackets, you know, it was in all my stuff. All my gear is marked that way. It doesn't matter if my belt, magazines, rifles, whatever, all S-N. And then I got into a surveillance unit where one of my buddies looked at a hat that I had, which was 
embroidered with SN behind it, right? And he comes up, no prompting, out of nowhere, has known me for two years at this point, looks at the hat and goes, hey, what's that stand for? Snake nuts? Just like out of the blue. He's like, is that snake nuts? And I was like, um, yeah. And that is, by the way, how you get a call sign, right? That's what Mark Kreider said. It's either something catastrophic or just your name, right? It's either your name or somebody says something foolish or you say rebar, something or do something. Somebody got in a traffic accident and it's called rebar for the rest of their career. In the rebar. For the Navy. Rebar. You're right. Right. For kangaroos. That's Correct. right. If you haven't seen our episode with Sheriff Mark Kreider, go back. Former FBI agent, now sheriff in Walla Walla, Washington, by all means. All right, Steve, I want to um, I want to first start with the significance. The day of hold on, the day of rage. There it is. I don't know why I like that, but I really do like it. All right, so we're going to talk about Friday the Thirteenth. Do you remember the attacks going back in 2015 in France? Do you remember those at all? Yes. <laughs> You're like um, cautiously. I yes. think. I, yes, it was, you were talking about the um, uh, the the attack on the. Uh, journalists because they were the making the Muhammad reference, right? This is also um, the concert that was attacked. Ryan, go ahead and bring up topic number one. This is from oh, Reuters. Oh, the rock band. That's right. That's right. So if this is actually an old story, folks, you may have seen this. There were 100 people killed at a Bataclan concert hall, which was a concert that was going on in Paris. About 40 others died in a coordinated attack all around Paris. It happened on November 13th, a Friday the 13th in 2015. As you probably know, we don't get Friday the 13th all the time. So the idea that it is a Friday and a 13 has significance, and particularly in sort of the radical Islamic world. And what we saw over this week, and we reported on yesterday a little bit, but mostly we talked about how the guy is a billionaire calling for violence, not that he's going to get involved in it. But Hamas is interested in having you uh, be be scared of a day of rage which is uh, taking on things from the political left, taking on things from the weather underground. This goes back to the uh, post-Vietnam War or the Vietnam War era protests. So all this stuff is all linked into the American progressive left. They're using their terms. But a day of jihad on you, a jihad on you and a jihad on me, and a jihad on Paris, it turned out, was like that. That's kind of interesting. Isn't it fun how the political left tends to like line up with people that are into terrorism? Like, What do you think that's all about, Steve? Uh, I think they confuse their priorities. That's why you see people who claim to be queer or bisexual and they're marching for Palestine. Uh, are they unaware that should that side triumph, they're going to be tossed off the rooftops? It, it, uh, it's it's just a relationship, I guess, of convenience because they're all for disrupting and they've embraced the enemy of my enemy as my friend, at least for now. So, yeah, I, I was interested in that. You and I had this little conversation about the enemy of my enemy, right? Yes. And, and the enemy of my enemy is not exactly my friend. It's just my enemy's enemy. But I will say that the yeah. friend of my enemy is probably my enemy. Yeah, I think that's probably a, an appropriate way to look at it. If, if it indeed is like a legitimate existential threat. Unfortunately, I think we tend to assign that to like political ideology, which is why you'll hear people say like, well, they oppose me on this issue and they stand with this person so that that person, therefore, could be no good for me. There's a difference between like your political preferences and your convictions and then an existential threat here. So I think if, if you're standing with Hamas uh, now, as they've demonstrated a willingness to perpetuate a gigantic terrorist attack and inflict war on, on a you know, neighbor state, I, I got to question whether or not you would be my friend down the road because you might have share my beliefs on tax policy. 
Um, if you're standing with Hamas, you usually stand with your fist up like this. I think you have to stand like this. I'm going to show you guys a couple of people who are, quote unquote, standing with Hamas. When I was active duty in the military, we would have referred to these people as uh, as having weak genetics. I think I actually have a letter. I got injured one time and, and they, they my uh, my NCOIC said that I had weak genetics. Weak genetics is like uh, just a catch all for uh, you're not worthy of being here. Look at the people that are the friends of our enemies. Uh, tell me your fear level of this. Let's do video number one, Ryan. I think we got that one working. Uh, this is some reporting that's coming out of Seattle. And this is who is standing with Hamas in the United States. Uh, pay, pay particular attention to the possible male with weird-looking breasts underneath a black T-shirt. You're not going to be able to miss it anyway. But let's go ahead and pull that one up. <laughs> Uh-oh, incoming, incoming. Doughy, possible male. I thought you were anti-fashion. No, I like your uh, Jewish star. What synagogue you go to? What synagogue do you go to? I'd love to come up for that. What synagogue do you go to? Not afraid. What synagogue do you go to? Is that just cosplaying along with the rest of your gear? Or is today just hate the Jews day? If Palestinians are so peaceful, why doesn't Egypt let them in? Mm. There is so much Antifa here, it's out of control. Antifa, all the pink hair, green haired kids have infiltrated the rally and the place is going to be compromised. Look at the soy boys coming after me. It's so funny, he calls them right out to their face. It's pretty incredible, actually. I want to be this so guy. It's friend. really interesting to see the far left activist element tied in with pro Palestine activists. Once again, the far left trying to hitch itself to a lot of different causes. You have stopped the sweeps people here. You got Ed over there. It's incredible here in Seattle, just the mix of activists. <laughs> it kills me. So that's Jonathan uh, Choey, I think his name is, C-H-O-E, and uh, his at Choey Show. So that's the guy who's out there doing that reporting. He's following me on Twitter. I, I posted this last night on my Twitter account, and he's now following me. So now we can be friends, Steve. We'll get him on and talk about it. Uh, I love the cojones on the guy that goes up to people and is like, look at these soy boys. He's outnumbered 50 to 1, but he has no fear of them. What do you think? No, because he knows nobody's going to step to him. And, he, and he's just solely focused on his message, and he's not distracted. Somebody flips him the bird. And you, you, most people would just be, like, offended by that, or they would at least have some sort of hiccup in their speech. And he just mows through it because he knows those guys aren't a threat, which is, you've been talking about this all week, and uh, I've, I've been loaded for bear to, to bring this up on, on a friendly Friday. It drives me up the wall how people will, um, I, I almost compare it to like the uh, cl clicking like as making a statement. It's like the hashtag uh, protect our girls thing that Michelle Obama did for Boko Haram a few do, years do ago. Do a hashtag. That's how you show that you're really That's, against these terrorists that are brutally stealing and raping girls. It's a way for people to, uh, in their head, think, I am part of this. And to virtue signal, get, get all the acclaim for standing up without actually having to inconvenience themselves. And when I was a police officer, we used to get this in, uh, in another format. We would get a call, 911, uh, just letting you know there's a stranded motorist on I-95. Great job. Well, did you stop to help them change that tire or see if they're array? No, I just called 911 and drove away. So I've done my civic duty. And, and that's sort of what happens here. Like people can't wait to, to join a, uh, a march in solidarity with uh, what's going on half a world away, but they can't be bothered to go to a school board meeting and read 
pornographic material that uh, is being sent into their kids' heads. Yeah, that hack, hack, what do they call it? Hashtag activism or something to that effect. It's really weak. I used to ride on an ambulance and you get the worst calls you'd ever get were called man down calls. And it was just like usually a homeless guy sleeping somewhere. They'd be like, there's a man down on the side of the road. And you go over there and it's like, dude, he's just drunk. And you're like, now I have to make sure you're on your feet before I leave. I got to wake you up. You were perfectly happy sleeping under this crappy palm tree here in Tucson. But now I got to go like rouse you and do that. And some do-gooder who didn't want to stop by and say like, nah, he's breathing. He's just, this is where he sleeps. He has no home. No reporting party. And now you've got to babysit him for the next eight hours. Probably take him to the hospital. Make sure he gets definitely take him to the hospital. Yeah. Yo, you want to be transported? Oh, okay. That's what we do. Yeah. We transport you at uh, taxpayer's cost. Um, it's, it's frustrating, but also it, the kind of people that are involved in it, they're all kind of the same. They're yes. the, they've been called Karens recently in the COVID stuff, but they've been like this for a very long time. They are effeminate, non actors, and they are, you know, males that have female tendencies like that. I don't know. Was that like, was that a man or a woman that was stalking forward with the uh, Lucador mask, the black Lucador? I mean, with, what is his name? The... What is his Mexican wrestling name? <laughs> I don't follow WWE or whatever. Come on, let's make watch. it up. Let's make one up for him right now. Moobs. Uh, I want to call him Moobs. All right. That's fine. Yeah, Moobs <laughs> McGee or something like that. That's like, right. He got to give him some sort of nationality, right? Like, so he can run um, the flag. No, he's, he's, uh, you know, he's representing Gaza. He's, he's fighting out of the True. Gaza corner. He's fighting he, out of the he, Gaza strip. <laughs> the inward caving in knees as he walked or he or it walked forward right. just distracted me because it's somebody who's never actually put their quads through any sort of regimen of exercise to if, actually bear their own weight. Actually, uh, Ryan, if you can run that in the background again, I want to do one comment on this. I want to show no, no audio for me if you would, but watch as this guy comes stalking in, right? He comes cruising in. First of all, hands are like tucked near the uh, groin level with that little, like that little fat belly. And now watch as the, somebody calls his name and he almost falls over doing a turn. Whoa, I lost my balance because I turned my head. I've never walked forward and moved my head at the same time. Now I'm striding weirdly with my toes pointed outward. Oh my God. It's so funny. I like that. There's an old man standing there with a, with a yarmulke on his head and he's just calling these people out and they're all just standing there like seething in rage, wearing masks and looking weak with their stupid hair. Everybody, like everyone there is just so kind of pathetic to look at. Uh, it just lets you know the level of threat. The real threat is actually not going to ever be out here at these marches, folks. It's worth knowing. I've gone out there and done the game where you're, where you're looking for, for bad guys and uh, they're trying to hide. They are not trying to make themselves known at a march. If there is going to be a violent cell that operates, it's going to be the exact opposite of this. Just worth knowing. What you can see is never going to be the problem. It's what you can't see. It's not going to be the guy in the bright orange vest that looks like he can bench press maybe a broomstick on his best day with a couple of toilet paper rolls on either side. Like, that's his best lift. Um, these people are not the threat. But they are kind of indicative of a sentiment that makes people think that they would tolerate such a threat in this country. Also, this the, is the idea that you're taking pictures at, at this rally gets you labeled as a proud boy. I don't know if you've ever seen Jonathan, but Jonathan is like an Asian guy. He looks a lot like I mean, he doesn't look a lot like, but he's got the same kind of build as like Andy. No, he's not a big guy. He's just like an Asian dude rolling around with a camera. It would be great to look at these people's uh, Amazon carts to see how quickly they bought these flags. They, they had them delivered within the last 24 <laughs> like what hours. What else they've been buying? They're like black mask for protest. It's prime day. <laughs> it's prime day. Get my get my Lucador, my my Gaza Lucador mask. Yeah, and, and you've been talking about this all week. It's just, you know, your your prefrontal cortex gets overwhelmed by emotion and you are, can't think in a rational reason and, and you get distracted as a result of that. I think the easier way to sort of uh, make the, the analogy is it turns everybody into a teenager. 
That's right. Teenagers whose prefrontal cortex is underdeveloped and their emotional state is. That's why they make irrational decisions and they're very overly emotional. I think a and lot of these result, people are teenagers for a lot of their yes. adult life. Like they've never yes. had real responsibilities. They probably live with their parents still. They're on their dad and mom's health care. So you've they're got 25. They're all failure to launch. I used to I used to say Peter Pan was like not a really good thing to make fun of before I was married. Because like, you know, he wears the short like kind of capri pants, which I'm not. Eh, I had some capri pants in my life. I, I grew up in the 90s and <laughs> early 2000s. Someone bought me some. Maybe they were short pants. They hey, were like, it's an alpha male move to own that. Right, look, good on you. if you have calves as thick as I do, which I have like really thick legs and calves, then it is what it is. But uh, yeah, you, you make fun of Peter Pan. But like he had Tinkerbell. He had Wendy. He had like multiple women that were going for him. He carried a knife everywhere he went. He fought a dude who had an entire pirate army with like nothing but a fixed blade that was like the length of his his hand, right? He fought and a he, guy with a hook arm. That's what I'm saying. He fought a, he yeah. fought a dude who had a full saber and hook combo, but and he flew around. Like I don't I don't think Peter Pan is a really good insult when you, like he was pretty alpha if you get right down to it. Like he he led like a whole like motley crew of like unruly boys that didn't like have any other leader, but they wanted to follow him because he was such an aggressive dude. He'd go flying into battle like front. You know, he was leading from the front. So I don't know. Peter Pan is is not the failure to launch, but they are certainly lost characters. I don't, you heard it here first, folks. Peter Pan is not an insult to Kyle Serafin. <laughs> I can't help it. It's so sad. These people are so goofy. You want, you want to talk about, um, let's pull up topic two real quick. I just, like I said, I want to one more time hit home this Friday the 13th thing. This came up the other day too. They were just playing this again, um, but people are, are talking about the significance of this day. This is why these days are problems because- when you are this kind of weak, pathetic, um, you know, soy, soy uh, imbibed critter, male or female, nobody knows. Uh, you, the concern is, is that they're going to try to stand on the back of some like real violence and some really ugly things. And they're going to be able to hide behind sort of the symbology of that day. And so like, anyway, this is well, another piece here. BBC covered it pretty well. There's a whole lot of it. If you type in... Um, what is it? November 13th, 2015 and Paris. If you put that into any search engine, you guys are going to find out an awful lot of uh, reporting went on that. Everybody was concerned. Everybody was worried. And then, um, you know, now we're all back to uh, people that are supporting Palestine and that. Uh, speaking of soy related, can you bring up a topic three, Ryan? Because I want to have St Steve. I'm just going to tee this up and then I'm going to let T like Steve just take a swing. Do you want to just talk about what this guy's about? This, If you're not watching our Rumble channel, what you're seeing is a doughy man in a suit with a red tie and glasses and like um, sort of hair that's parted on one side and a bald spot on the other. He says, if you don't have a relationship with the FBI as a CISO or as someone who is responsible for your organization's network security, you should have one. It will only improve your abilities and resources. This is David Ring, the FBI's acting deputy assistant director, I assume for cyber. And he is a, uh, he's a CISO. What is a CISO? Do you even know? I don't, even know. I don't even know what that means. I just know he's not a special agent. And he's, he's not an acting agent. Yeah, PAD. So go ahead. He's an, he's, he's an intelligence analyst who joined in 2004. So he's been there for almost two full decades. And uh, a side note, this is my response to George Hill. This is the consummate intelligence analyst that the FBI puts forward in every single office. Person who hasn't seen their toes in a number of years, uh, rarely gets out of a desk and is a prime candidate for chair time yoga. But uh, David is very interested in liaising with private cyber or tech organizations, firms, and uh, he wants to partner with them because uh, he's really, really worried about their cybersecurity needs. Uh, totally not trying to get backdoors into people's personal private information without their consent to subvert their Fourth Amendment rights and 100% 
on the up and up, not interested in securing a lucrative retirement gig for himself when he punches out next year when he hits his 20-year mark. Certainly not trying to do that. So we had uh, King's Week in the chat say the CISO is the chief information security officer. So trying to lure in the people that are responsible for your uh, infrastructure in the your company. The people that lost all of our stuff to the Chinese during the uh, the OPM hack are going to tell companies how to protect their HR information. That's right. The FBI right. who lost my information, my social security number, and the entirety of my SF-86 background check, including every place I've ever lived, all the people I knew there, all the phone numbers I've had, any social media accounts I ever had, bank accounts going back as far as I can remember. They wanted that. That all went to the Chinese directly. They basically might have, well, just emailed them because they kept it in an, an easily hacked system. And those people want you to liaise and make sure that your cybersecurity is safe, or they are trying to make sure that they can subvert your Fourth Amendment rights to avoid a search and seizure because they are building that that George Hill moment where they're able to just ask you nicely and Bank of America sends over all their data, right? I mean, this is really the real, you want to kind of elaborate on, on what the threat there looks like? Oh, well, I, I think that this, this relationship that they are always trying to cultivate, and it's this consummate banging of the drum that they have to liaise with all partners, be they local law enforcement or colleges, universities, local government, uh, and then into the private industry. They just want to have these tripwire experiences where, look, it, 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 some of it's legitimate. Like you've talked about it before. Like you want to have a tripwire with a gun store because those guys are good professionals and they see something shady going on. You want to have a good relationship because they say like, hey, I think this guy might be doing some straw purchases because a good gun store owner knows that's not only bad for his business, but it's bad for safety around and, and they're not interested in that as well. Bad for his uh, so community. They, they, they cloak themselves in that. Well, we're here uh, for an objectively good reason, but the real reason is that they want to get their hooks into these these tech firms so that they can personally benefit and they can land their jobs afterwards, but then also secure their their confidential human sources on the inside, and they can play this accountability hot potato game where they can say, look, we're just issuing guidance. You don't have to follow it. We're not going to bother with the private operations of a private organization. Uh, and then the private organization says, like, well, look, we're just following the, the guidance that the government has put out there. Uh, so, so we're not accountable either. So they just go back and back and, and forth, round and round with it. And then it, what's lost here is they what happened with what George identified. Like you have the Bank of America that just that does real is just trying to do their good civic duty and provide this information uh, without any sort of search warrant or subpoena to the government because they're uh, they're just good Americans or they're trying to stay out of the crosshairs because if you, if you uh, make the uh, the government angry. They will regulate you. They will investigate you. They'll find something because, as they've shown to do, they'll find the person and then they'll look for the crime that they can pin on them. A hundred percent. Can we go um, on the record right now and say that George Hill is not a representative of the intelligence cadre in the FBI and that he's not fat? Will you will you admit to that today? Uh, yes, I will go on the record and say that that he is a. Uh, exception that proves the rule. Uh, but I will also, um, I, I'll be interested to know what George's desk looked like, because I, I didn't know him in the Bureau. And I'm sure that you could probably attest to this, this similar, all the, all the vets who are in the FBI, uh, the guys that were like door kickers, like maybe at most they'd have a lanyard that said like Marine Corps, nothing else would advertise what they'd done in their career. But if they worked, if they were an Intel person, you'd have thought they stormed the beaches of Normandy, man. All the like awards. Every <laughs> 
every yeah i don't i don't know if george is coin. i don't know if george is an awards guy my buddy actually saw someone come in you talk about that that's really funny uh my, my buddy jake said he sat down in an office and he had a new guy come in and he had like his name plaque that said special agent you know and then he had some other stuff and he had a picture or something like that and, and he saw this guy come in and this dude set up like an entire i love me wall on the like is all government property but it's like every award oh director's award intelligence award like you know like director of it's all this crap and he had all these like plaques and stuff like this and he's looking at it and my buddy was so disgusted my buddy was a, a marine and a smoke jumper and a door kicker and a, a grenade thrower and just like he's an outdoor animal that is like we went to rei one time and this lady's like these are really nice sleeping bags and he was like yeah i slept on the ground 180 nights a year for the last eight years because he, he was an outdoor firefighter i mean he worked for the for the forest service and okay. uh, and so this lady, you know, he looks over and sees this guy, like the total beta move of the entire I love me wall up at the office. So everyone knows how great you are. And he just took everything that was personal of his and he opened up a drawer and he just swept it all in. And there was nothing on his desk after that except papers and like stuff that was late. He's like every good agent should always have like a bunch of things that are out of policy and late because he's too busy doing his job. So that was kind of the thing. I agree with you on that one. That's really funny. Um, yeah. But the only being... award I ever put up was a uh, certificate from the governor of Nebraska making me a certified deputy because I know that those are the real police and I wanted to have that on display. That are the real police. All right. Uh, if you're just joining us now and there's a whole bunch of you coming in, like I said, these are always some of our biggest shows. We're talking to FBI whistleblower Steve Friend. He's an author. He is a fellow at the Center for Renewing America, which is great. We are um, discussing some FBI things. We're about to hurt the feelings of the FBI security division. Steve will tell you why this is important right now. We've got some some stuff that you're not going to hear anywhere else, at least not yet. And uh, we're going to break it to you live. But before we do that, I want to go ahead and send some traffic over to my friend Garrett O'Boyle, another suspendable, another FBI whistleblower. You'll notice that I am wearing his shirt right here. This is the PT shirt. If you guys are wondering, is the badge kind of big? Yeah, it's actually bigger than the real FBI's badge. We're wearing the uh, lapel pin right now. And you can check out his merch store. Uh, there's no money involved for us. We're just trying to support our buddy, another whistleblower who lost his job. Here it is. You can go to the-suspendables.com. If you haven't heard me say it enough yet, there it is. The-suspendables.com. There's some great looking shirts if you want to support it. I was actually walking around with the last line strength shirt on at the grocery store yesterday and had a complete stranger, but clearly like uh, a friendly, a bro, looked at me and he goes, it's a badass shirt, man. And I, he just out of nowhere as we we're walking out of the gro you know, out of the parking lot uh, and I was going to jump in the car and drive my groceries home. So check out those shirts. The designs are good. They're eye-catching. People really like them. The Ranger panties, two layers of freedom. Uh, uh, two layers of mesh between you and freedom, I would say. Uh, contain the boys and go for a run. If you've never run in Ranger Panties, you've barely lived. And then lastly, we always let you guys know the uh, the special deal for folks that listen to our show. You can use promo code Kyle. You get 10% off. And you can use the, uh, if you just want the lapel pin, which I'm wearing on my, my thing right now, put it on a suit or any of your dress, put it on a baseball hat. You can add three of them to the cart and uh, you will get a special deal that'll knock them down to $30 for three with free shipping. Really easy stuff. And, um, you know, it's supporting Garrett O'Boyle. You guys love Garrett. We love Garrett. He's one of the best. He's usually in our chat making trouble. And we want to say thanks. I just saw we had a big rumble rant come in. What was this from uh, from Carlisle? Carlos? We are lucky to have this crew to follow and listen to. Always great advice and information. Thanks for all you do. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. Not necessary to throw these rumble rants up, but Eric Jason, again, our, our chief moderator, who you should be following over on True Social, at Eric Jason, and he's always saying, smash the like, do not comply. If you are joining us right now and you have not hit the like on Rumble. Make sure it turns green. We appreciate that. It makes a big difference as far as how we get ranked. So there we go. I like when I have like two things on either side of my head. Steve, do you want to set up what we're about to uh, reveal here? And then we're about to like do some serious feelings hurting on the FBI. Uh, folks, share this with your friends who are federal agents because it's about to get real for them. 
Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of background here. I think it's a, add some color. So the uh, the FBI, the Office of Professional Responsibility, you can think of them as the internal affairs for the FBI. They're the inspection division. So if you commit some sort of policy violation or even a criminal act, they will investigate you and uh, they'll put out the, the punishment for that. And uh, it, it could be anything from you were late on your paperwork to you committed a domestic violence offense. To They're you spray painted your gun. Correct. Correct. And, uh, but the FBI also has the security division, which is supposed to run an independent parallel investigation of your security clearance. They're supposed to be independent of each other, but they tend to work hand in hand, which is why when I went talk to SecD, uh, the next day OPR contacted me uh, because they're clearly colluding with each other. But back to the OPR, and, and you've talked about this with Steve Gray, they are famous for every quarter. They issue the OPR quarterly, which is like a every three-month reminder of we're watching you. If you do something wrong, we're going to uh, to highlight it and anonymously embarrass you. And this is the four days a year where no work gets done in the FBI because the email goes out and everybody is immediately reading it. It's supposed to be, it is unclassified. It's uh, circulated on the classified system. Uh, and everybody reads it and laughs at it. And some of the stuff is absolutely abhorrent. And you cannot believe that these people made it through the FBI vetting process. Now, I was able to get about five years worth of those OPR quarterlies uh, when before I was suspended. And I got them actually uh, for constructive reasons. I wanted to bring them to my attorney because I figured it would have a uh, good precedent uh parameters for like what I would be looking at for punishment. So we could say, hey, look, uh, you shouldn't uh, suspend Steve for 60 days because somebody who uh, looked at the employee handbook improperly, they got a letter of censure. That's inconsistent. I got those. Uh, and then the FBI constructively terminated me. And uh, we're just going to play FAFO. So I started to publish them on my social media accounts every day, one by one, and eventually culminated with me handing over five years worth of them to John Solomon at Just for News, who, uh, who put out a, a nice piece and, uh, and, and itemized them for all to read. So for about a year now. And you and I ended up on Jesse Waters talking about this stuff, too. You were talking about how yes. the FBI is basically acting like a trust fund kid that's uh, taking somebody else's yacht out and jacking it up, which is a famous, um, famous analogy for me, at least in my life. That's one of the funnier moments on Fox News in a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, they're just coasting on the fumes. The uh, the billionaire family that the uh, the patriarch earned all the money, and now the uh, the grandkids are just out in the Caribbean just doing blow off a hooker's ass. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about hookers today too, because that's part of it. Um, let's pull up. Uh, let's pull up topic five, Ryan. This is the first of the OPR files that uh, that Steve's got. Again, man, it's it's strange when you have sources that can actually read stuff for you. Um, and you should be following Steve on Twitter. Again, it's at real Steve friend, Steve friend, uh, FBI whistleblower, friend of our show, a regular Friday guest. And um, I would say a, a constant thorn and pain in the ass to the FBI security division. So this one, you want to tell people what this one says? Uh, if they're if they're just listening in, I'll just let you read it because there's three fun. Actually, isn't there one before that? Yeah, you're on number two. Where's number one? Let's see if I got it here, Ryan. Is that topic number five? Do they not upload all the way? So no, it's topic number four. While you're was the finding first one. it, here, okay, here's show what me I'll the too. There, there was a caveat from what I've been told at the beginning of the OPR quarterly, which was new, which said that security division will investigate you separately from OPR, which was a point of contention when I was talking to them. So clearly they're colluding. And, uh, and they're also so butthurt that I was able to expose how people were committing these terrible acts and getting almost no punishment that they really tried to elevate uh, and, and talk about people who were punished severely for their actions this time because the FBI takes these offenses very seriously. So Unfortunately, seriously. in order to do that, they had to expose what the, what the personnel in the FBI do on a fairly consistent basis 
uh, which I think uh, the American people should know. So the first one is actually- Throw that back uh, up there. That was so good. Steve's going to read it. Assault. We'll begin with assault. Number one, probationary employee, so somebody who's within the first two years, assaulted a private citizen at the citizen's place of business in front of witnesses and on camera. Oops. At the time of the assault, the employee was wearing an FBI badge and carrying a weapon. So it's an agent. The employee was subsequently arrested and charged with several criminal offenses. In aggravation, the employee was arrested at the FBI office by a valued law enforcement partner. TFO got him. That liaison. <laughs> <laughs> Negatively affecting the FBI's reputation. Really, did the TFO like, leave the task force after that? We'll see. Yep. And the employee's criminal conduct, especially as a probationary employee, because I guess if you were just a regular employee, it would have been better uh, to assault somebody. You probably would have only gotten suspended. That's correct. Uh, renders them unfit. And they were summarily dismissed. Oh, my God. Dude. That's so good. All right, so there's an assault code there. So we used to do this game. Uh, if you guys go back to the early versions of the show when we were just getting launched, when I was still hiding in a trailer in the middle of an undisclosed location in the Arizona mountains, what you would have found was um, Steve would read them, and then me and our producer emeritus, Phil, would try to guess what the punishment was. Was it uh, you know a letter of censure? Was it 30 days on the bricks, which is, means you just – go without pay for a couple of days, unpaid vacation, or was it, you know, something up to including termination? This one is a pretty clear termination. Uh, what happens if you shoot a dog? Someone just asked that in the uh, chat. If you're the, if you're the SAC of the Philadelphia field office and you smoke a dog on a street, is there any punishment for that? Yeah. You get promoted to executive assistant director of training and you hand out guns to new agents. Perfect. Okay, good. All right. So let's do the next topic, Ryan. I'll just have you do them in order. I don't know how you have them numbered, but let's do the next one. There's a couple on this page. And this one is going to be, let's just read them real quick. You want to throw it all the way across the screen. People might as well read this. It's going to hurt some feelings. I want people to be able to read it on their phones along with us. So let's go full screen with this one. Number two, another assault. And it While says, intoxicated, a supervisory employee assaulted a spouse, so domestic violence. The spouse had minor injuries, called 911. The employee was subsequently arrested for second-degree assault, not domestic assault, which is interesting. They must have made a deal with uh, locals. And they were also dismissed, fired for assault and battery. Okay, so we're beating people, FBI employees on your on your tax dollars have gone through they've gone through the background check. They are not they are not Kyle Serafin and Steve Friends. They did not just they did not just un, uh, against policy paint their rifle with some cool desert patterns and put their initials on their magazines. No, they are beating people and that's how you get thrown out. So, you know, there's a a lot of people could be thrown out of the FBI. I think we're going to keep going with this. Uh, they, any thoughts they about They had to dig so deep in order to find how many people they fired. I bet you this was all the people they fired in the quarter. Yeah, that's probably true, too. Well, and they've run off a couple of them for security violations they don't want to talk about that are like, you know, just having a MAGA hat at your house that they saw on the security camera they hacked or whatever it is. Yeah. Or it was in the back of your view car. All right, let's do number three. Unwelcome sexual conduct. It always employee, comes back to this. There's always unwelcome uh, sexual it, stuff. It's booze. Broads and Bucars. Yeah. Those are the three Bs. The unwelcome sexual conduct. Employee sent repeated unwelcome text messages to a coworker attempting to pursue a romantic relationship with her and grabbed the coworker in FBI space in an attempt to kiss her against her will in violation of the FBI's harassment policy directive. Uh, so he did a Joe Biden on Tara Reid. Well, I'm assuming it's a he, uh, but you never know. Nowadays. You never do know. Yeah. You're right. No. So zero tolerance for unwelcome sexual conduct unless it's Jennifer Moore petting your hair. And this employee was dismissed. Uh, also, zero. Um, there's zero tolerance for this unless you're a senior executive, in which case it's fine. You can bang your support employees and it'll just take uh, as much time as it takes until finally the Office of Inspector General decides to embarrass you. But not by name, just by position. 
I think the funniest thing is, folks, if you haven't been listening to the show since the beginning, we literally had someone come forward and say, check out this uh, Office of Inspector General report. It came from December of 21. There is an FBI supervisor, a, a special agent in charge of one of the field offices that is having sex with a support employee in a government vehicle, right? Yes. And also having a sexting ring on government phones with other employees. And we couldn't narrow down which one of the three special agents in charge of field offices it actually was. There was a <laughs> rowdy debate in our uh, bureau contact pool in, indicating it could have been any number of three people, all of, of whom were able to retire without their names being exposed, all of whom have taken on fun, uh, fun jobs. So ain't that something. Let's uh, let's do the next one, because as you said, it's either broads, it's going to be. Booze, Booze. Here, here we go, or Bucars. We're going to get all of them today. Yep. Employee admitted to drinking alcohol before the workday started or during lunch. The employee also admitted to picking up alcohol on the way to work and drinking in FBI parking garage. The employee was under the influence of alcohol while on duty. Therefore, they were dismissed for alcohol substance abuse, which is actually kind of surprising to me because you can, yep. uh, yeah, you can cry. claim <laughs> that you are uh, you know, an alcoholic and you have to get treatment and the FBI is supposed to stand by you. And so the, the funny story I had was a guy who has a ha who told me he has a half bottle full of Jack Daniels in the bottom of his desk and he keeps it there. He doesn't drink Jack Daniels, but he says, if I ever get in trouble, I'm just going to say that I'm an alcoholic and I have problems. This is my problem. And, uh, yeah. Help me out. Be, I need help. I can't be fired. That's it. Um, I actually had guys on my surveillance team who I hope have retired since then, but they would literally show up to the job and our job was living in a car and watching bad guys in public and as you mentioned, the rubber gun squad, the last time we talked, the people that basically have made themselves impossible to use in any other way, they just park them out on the surveillance team. So here's the funny thing about this. And this is why I always thought the Bureau has no logical sense. Imagine if you are a supervisor and you've got a deadbeat employee. Do you want that employee sitting at a desk doing nothing of value and not hurting anybody? Or do you want to go dick up the entire operation of a surveillance team that is out there going after high-value targets and potentially giving you useful information? Why ruin one guy's desk job that he could actually be assigned no cases? He could be the, you know, the, the king of the broom closet. When you could actually put him on a team that has to operate and communicate and work and be in public when the guy has a drinking problem, why not put him on a place where he's driving everywhere so he could show up drunk to surveillance, which happened to me more than one time, and I literally sent them home as a GS-12, as a guy who was not even full-tenured FBI agent on the front line, I was sending home 1310s who were like a year from retirement and were drinking. It's unbelievable. There's a there's a big problem in law enforcement with drinking. There's a lot of depression and, and stuff that goes on. This guy didn't have any of those excuses. He was just fat and lazy and uh, liked to talk his war stories. But anyway, I just think it's kind of funny that why, why not ruin a whole team if you can? Well, I mean, you got to keep that do-nothing desk job open for like a Kyle Serafin to put on even though he has no security clearance um, to sit and work national security cases for six weeks until they take your badge and your gun. Um, we're playing inside baseball here. Let's go ahead and pull the next one up, Ryan. Let's keep going through these. There's a couple more and we'll loss of weapon. Employee oh, these are always the best too. Where's your weapon? Yeah. Employee went shopping and accidentally left a tactical bag containing a bureau issued weapon and personally owned weapon in a shopping cart. I like how this guy rolls when he goes shopping. Well, what was her name is the real question. <laughs> Can we be honest about that? Is that a yes. is that a dude leaving that bag, a tactical bag, no. or is that a chick who thought she was uh, making it happen with a tactical? It was a bag? tactical fanny pack, Yeesh. and uh, yeah, it was a tactical fire, purse. And, and bureau issued weapon to me might actually be pepper spray. Well, that's true. No, because it's, yeah. it's does it say firearm or no? No, no, it does say yeah. The firearms were discovered by a store employee and turned over to the local police. Plural. Uh, Do you see that? Plural. Yep. <laughs> yep. Two firearms. 
two firearms, At which least. is that makes me think it might be a male because I don't know too many females who carried multiple weapons. Unless they were trying out for SWAT and they were trying to get their lift in by carrying out their cool guy thing. Yeah, probably, probably, uh, probably a dude. You're probably correct. Five day suspension. Yeah. That's all it takes if you go and lose. Uh, you know, the biggest thing, dropping your 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 firearm, the one thing that you're actually supposed to be responsible for. Have you ever left a weapon behind anywhere? No. I mean, I've lost no. them in my house before because I have so many that I, I hid them from myself. That sure. happens. And I'm like, where? Yeah, it's fine because you just open a drawer and you're like, hey, look, I found a gun. Hooray, there's my Hellcat. It's small. I knew it. You know, oh, I stuffed it over here by my night vision goggles. That happens. I've done that. I, I can I can be uh, okay with that. But yeah, the idea that you would just drop out, like lose your gun somewhere. Like I feel naked if I don't have my gun on me. You, you would think you would notice that. Uh, I mean, I, you're like, I came in a, here with a, a tactical merc. behind before, but uh, that's much smaller and less cumbersome. And, and you don't, and only don't when touch. you have two cell phones, do you, do you, like imagine patting yourself. Do you, do you not do the pat down like every ever Leo and military guy? Sure. I know? You pat yes, down and you're like, time. it's it's the same as um. there's a movie called Long Kiss Goodnight. And um, in the Long Kiss Goodnight, it is uh, Samuel L. Jackson. And he does this thing. I've done it a few times. Now it's going to be in everyone's head. He he goes like, wherever I put my stuff, I always sing it to myself so I don't forget. He's like, I put my keys in my left pocket. Doo, 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 doo. Got my wallet in my right. Do, 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 right. And he does this little song and then he pats himself down. Yeah. So he knows whenever he goes somewhere, he didn't lose his stuff. Yeah. If, you, if you've never done that, folks, I, I don't know. What you're I, doing with your I life. step out of my car every single time and Back I'm down. like, count, count to three, breathe. Cause I'm not going to lock my keys in my car that way. Just take a minute, check all your pockets and you're good. It's a grown up thing. Yeah. yeah. But when you roll in somewhere to like, let's say you went in to go, uh, I don't know, what were you doing? You were going to Marshall's to find some board shorts and you had your tactical bag with you with your AR and your other pistols. You just leave it in the dressing room, I guess. I don't know. It's unbelievable. I don't know, man. Where's my tactical it's... bag? Doon, doon, well, look, doon, he was doon. rolling out of Costco <laughs> and had like 150 puddings and just lost track of his uh, clock. It wasn't so. an IA, so we can't hold them accountable for that. Folks, we got uh, like over 1,200 of you sitting here and watching. If you haven't hit the thumbs up on there, we're talking to Steve Friend, who is the real Steve Friend on Twitter and real underscore Steve Friend on Truth. He's an author. He's a whistleblower. He's a friend. He's our regular Friday sort of co-host guest. I don't even know what status you have, like just... Uh, indispensable contributor is like your, your normal title. Isn't that right? Yeah. Indispensable contributor to the absolute truth with Emma Robinson. And uh, why not uh, throw Kyle Seraph and show in there as well? Let's do it. All right, let's roll. Let's roll on. Uh, we've got a couple other ones on here. Let's keep pushing. Database. Number six, the database misuse. This so, is always this. Hold on. I didn't, re I haven't even read this <laughs> without reading it. I know that somebody was checking in on a girlfriend, right? Like they were checking out an X. Yep, yeah, this is a stalker. Or, uh, the only other one that could possibly be is a, a male who is completely whipped and his wife was like, you better run a background check on the babysitter. Right. Okay, fair enough. But probably right. not that. No. Employee misused an FBI database by searching Sentinel to determine why the employee's spouse was discontinued from the hiring process. Oh, it's even dumber. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. According good. to the FBI uh, directive, blah, blah, blah. The employee was aware that the employees are prohibited from accessing an FBI database without authorization, but still chose to conduct the unauthorized query and mitigation. This appeared to be a one-time incident. Five-day suspension for finding out why your wife did not get to proceed to phase two. Right, because we need to have more FBI spouses. We need more men and women agent pairs. We need more GS-26s. GS-26s, yeah. <sighs> so gross. All right, are there right. any more on this thing? No, number seven, next one, Bucar. There Here we it are, is. onto the cars. Bucar misuse. While on sick leave, the employee drew a Bucar vehicle to run a personal errand with the employee's child in the Bucar. So two no-nos. Uh, you can't have anybody who's not an FBI employee, and you can't be driving on your personal time. 
There was no official FBI purpose for the employee's view car use. It had not been previously approved by a supervisor, and the employee use did not qualify under any exception of the official policy. And uh, in aggravation, there was a critical liability issue surrounding an unauthorized person being allowed to ride in the passenger. They got a 35-day suspension for driving their kid to school, whereas the person who left two guns behind at Costco only got five. I just want people to understand a sober driver driving on their day off with a kid that they were responsible for and are likely going to be a pretty good um, custodian of got a 35 day suspension and five days for leaving your assault, your assault machines that uh, have been issued by the federal government in a tactical bag in a public place. This is the this is the uh, illogical or or lose your job completely because you're Kyle Serafin and you spray painted your rifle. Um, and also we're shooting it in a place you're legally authorized to do so. Amazing stuff. Keep going. All right. Next one is a double. It's a booze and a view car. Good. Or at least a vehicle. Uh, after admittedly consuming approximately five alcoholic beverages over a four-hour period, which seems pretty responsible to me, watched a football game, yep. the employee backed a personally owned vehicle out of a parking lot and hit a parked car and was subsequently charged with and pled guilty to DUI. Really? In mitigation, the division noted the employee had a favorable reputation in the workplace, was reliable, well-regarded by coworkers and supervisors, and did not cause any trouble. They got a 30-day suspension for the DUI. Also, the employee expressed sincere remorse and said that they have a drinking problem. Yeah, did they say they had stress? Because they always say they had stress in their yes, life. Yes, that's the other one. They're, they're not putting those anymore, but uh, Steve and I have seen so many of these things. But they'll be like, in mitigation, the, the employee is facing some really difficult casework at, at work, and things are really hard. Really? Have you ever been to the point where like you thought you might lose your job because you weren't doing your casework fast enough? Is that a thing that ever happened in the FBI? One paper every three months, man. It's not that hard. All you got to do, one paper per case, paper the file, and your file review is always going to be a success. You're going to be satisfactory. Uh, that's why they say uh, it's not really hard to, to survive in government work. There's another DUI in there somewhere, isn't there? Uh, no, but one? this one is, I think number nine is, uh, is pertinent in light of the Christopher Ray tweet that went out last night about how he's working around the clock. Around the clock. And that is on multiple occasions over the course of more than one year, the employee violated the FBI's mobile devices and mobile applications policy guide by bringing a personal cell phone, Apple Watch, and AirPods into a SCIF, a sensitive compartmented information facility. The employee also made video and speaker phone calls on a personal cell phone inside the Bureau of Space, further violation of the policy. They self-reported most of the security violations and only got a three-day suspension. Um, how many people do you think are recording things inside of a skiff that pertain to Russian collusion? Pretty much all of the seventh floor is carrying items into a skiff. <laughs> we know that for a fact because we had a uh, FBI whistleblower go to Congress that we helped coordinate, showing that when he was doing the security sweeps on the skiff on the seventh floor of the Hoover building, he found dozens of Bluetooth signals coming out of phones because all the phones were openly sitting on desks in total violation of every single security operation procedure for keeping classified data safe. They're probably all compromised. Uh, and some of them are sleeping with hookers, it turns out, because we're going to talk about that in a little bit too. But And that was the, uh, the national... Uh uh, alert system last week that they did like at two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh my God. And how many people had mean, to hide their how phones? How many people got busted inside of a skiff? So many people. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, I didn't know I was always carrying my phone in here. Um, Ryan, I sent you over in the show prep. I sent you the, uh, Steve's tweet about, uh, Chris Ray. We can see his, uh, his digital watch. If you're able to pull that up in real time, it's kind of cool. But, uh, we know that Chris Ray 
is constantly in and out of secured briefings. He's constantly being told things that uh, he, I guess, needs to have a security clearance for. That's why he needs to fly around in our $60 million jet that taxpayers pay for. And uh, obviously, yes. <laughs> why does he have a watch and a Fitbit? Scroll down, just sit, show, show Chris Ray. That's Chris Ray working around the clock. Do you believe that that's the director's desk? Is there any chance that that's how Chris Ray works, Steve Friend? Uh, without a computer on a desk? Sure. He's got the, He's a guy that just has a phone like in an empty desk somewhere in the in the Hoover building. <laughs> what, what tell you what happened is the Hoover building is 75% unoccupied. So they just ran to one of the open offices and were like, here, Chris, sit down real quick. We'll take your picture for Twitter. Look at that. And he's he got his lie. he's got his wristwatch on his left. He's got a Fitbit or some kind of a digital watch on his right. He's got his jacket hiding his moves, as uh, Jenny Chang just said. We appreciate that. There he is working so hard. He's taking notes. What does he do? Oh, scroll down. What is that the notepad? notepad is, is like he, something you get out of a Holiday Inn. I was about like to say really the exact small. same thing. Yeah, scroll down and show that. <laughs> he, he got out of the Holiday Inn with his notepad. It says something on there. Oh, there it is. That is incredible. He's got the world's cheapest pen. They just found that somewhere. There's another pen randomly on the desk because it was already there. Everything about this. Uh, he has a remarkably clean desk for somebody who's working around the clock. Around the clock. He's keeping you safe, and he could not be doing this thing with anything else. He couldn't be doing this job. Nobody else could do it the way that he does it. I think the thing Chris Ray cares about most is the way that Chris Ray looks. His suit is a little bit rumpled. That's Man. why I think that the hair product is just, just off screen. Just 100%, 100%. Yeah, he's got the hair and makeup people getting him set up so he could do it. All right. Um, is there one more on here? I feel like there's Last one more. Last one. Failure to report. Employee failed to report foreign travel in a timely matter on several occasions. Uh, and uh, they you have to fill it in within 45 calendar days. So they got a letter of censure. As a, that's a no-no. Yeah. I think so LOC, slap on the wrist. Um, let's talk about what happens when you decide to do foreign travel and you have foreign contacts and it's slightly more aggressive than that. You bring up uh, topic number 11, Ryan, which I labeled as hookers. There it is. The hookers piece. Unbelievable. Um, I'm going to go to the, the day of jihad red. Here we go. There it is. DOJ watchdog group, which is going to be the um, the office of the inspector general. Senior FBI officials solicited prostitutes several times. The FBI employee has found to have solicited prostitutes multiple times, retired prior to an interview with the inspector general. How many times have we heard this story? State and federal prosecutions they were declined. Um, no reason to do any of that. This story was breaking yesterday. I was getting it in uh, text format from a number of people that work there. A senior level FBI employee within the FBI, sorry, a senior level employee within the FBI violated agency policy by soliciting prostitutes. Go figure. And failed to disclose contacts with the foreign national. It actually gets way worse. The employee who retired prior to being contacted by the uh, the offices of the inspector general, the, the um, DOJ's OIG, solicited prostitutes on multiple times at massage parters located in, quote, the same geographic area, it said in a summary of the IG's investigation. We might just pull up that and read straight from it because they always have a little good one. Um, the investigation concluded that the employee also didn't report a close relationship with a foreign national, which resulted in the senior level employee having close and continuous contact with a foreign national in violation of FBI policy. Hmm. I'm sure that wasn't going to be used against them. The fact that they were like hanging out with hookers and people that are foreign nationals that can be able, that can exploit the knowledge base they have. Senior executives. So this comes from the investigative summary 24-001. As you guys may know, the federal government is now in fiscal year 24, 2024. And this one is listed, the title of this particular one. This is the first finding from DOJ's OIG Findings of misconduct by then FBI senior level employee for solicitation of prostitutes and failure to self-report or close continuing contact with foreign national. That's how sterilized these things get. 
Uh, Steve, what do you think? What, what's up with the senior level FBI employees and sexual misconduct? Any any thoughts? Uh, that seems to be uh, a complete circle. Is that that Venn diagram? Apparently, they, the FBI really loves compromised people mm-hmm. because they're very malleable and controllable. They'll do whatever they want them to do. Uh, I have a couple of things that just poked me in the back of my head just as you're reading that. What do you think the odds are that that was an underaged prostitute? Possible, but unclear. Failed to self-report continuous contact and may have paid for and or received sexual favors at the foreign nationals massage parlor or other massage parlors in the same geographic region and then retired without being interviewed. Mm. And and was was this uh, former employee, was their security clearance revoked? After mean, that, no, they're like, actually like going to be the sig- to me. They're going to be the <laughs> signatory to the next letter that lets you know that um, this has all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. This is like a John Brennan type thing where they all keep it. Um, do you want to pull up the the next one? I, I think I called it Hooker's Number Two because this is not a new phenomenon. You got to keep track of them, man. Yeah, right. This is not a new phenomenon. Not not by any means. Let's go back to Day of Jihad. Red. Here it is. Uh, FBI agents, multiple agents, by the way, investigated for soliciting prostitutes while on overseas duty. This was actually in either the Philippines, I want to say, or in Thailand. Uh, this is coming from 2021, folks. This is like two years ago, less than two years ago. This report came out. And it says the investigation found that one FBI agent allegedly solicited commercial sex. I like commercial sex. It's a good name for it on assignment, while four others likely solicited, procured and accepted commercial sex while overseas. Do you want to know the best part of this story, Steve? The best part for me? Send it. The best part of this entire story is that they were actually all on TDY, temporary duty overseas for a sex trafficking conference in East Asia. Oh, these were totally underage. Perfect. Perfect. That's why they were all there. They were all involved in this sex romp. We funded it as taxpayers for them to go over there and get their jellies off uh, with some 12 year old girl um, and uh, say that they were doing the the good work of, uh, you know, like these Operation Underground Rescue sex trafficking. Yeah, that's the we talked about uh, opportunity cost yesterday. And I and I just think it's so important that people understand what that looks like. Opportunity cost is that that the mental and cerebral capability that you are foregoing because you are focusing on something else. These people are focusing on having uh, hookers and getting away with having hookers overseas instead of doing the job that they're being paid for. That's the opportunity cost. So they are not able to do the work that they were paid to do. And in the meantime, we've got stuff like our videos. We've got a couple more videos I'm going to show you folks as we kind of wrap up here. We're coming up on the end of it, but uh, it's Jihad Day, so maybe we'll go a little bit further. Let's do uh, video number two. I want you guys to see, I have three videos entitled Jihad Day in America, uh, Happy French Jihad Day, and More French Jihad Day. So we'll do three of these. This is what they are not investigating. They're going after MAGA grandmas. They're uh, hiding their own crime and they're not playing with these people who seem like a problem. This is more from Jonathan Cho. This reminds me of like Steve Martin's The Jerk. Like they're angry at the cans. They're really mad at this uh, this uh, Jewish flag, this this Israeli flag. Can, can, I, can I just point this out? Like you guys are stomping on a, a piece of cloth. So like, if you really are down for the fight and you think that that's occupied territory and this is a outdoor prison camp and the Palestinians are being persecuted, like all that fixed it. Right. 
Or, that that did it. Great. Good job. Like you said, this is that hash fat, hashtag activism. This is people that are out there, you know, yelling at cops and stomping on a flag uh, in a in a U.S. city. It's just it's totally bizarre. I think this was in New York, but it could have been in Seattle too. It doesn't matter. They're hysterical. It, they're goofy. They're non-serious people, and yet they're they're literally mad. They're that's real anger that you see there. Like they also probably bought that flag. Let's just be real. Like yeah, Amazon and Chinese benefited from this. And, and going back to the opportunity cost, and, and even the the guys who were busted for go, getting hookers at the sex trafficking conference, um, the, the opportunity cost of elev- uh, promoting in the FBI, where you would get people who are unqualified and have no expertise over what they're doing. So the, the opportunity cost of that, where you actually could have had somebody who had a certain level of competency and interest in stopping sex trafficking from going on. Uh, but instead, we elevated the, this other person because they uh, were able to, I don't know, do enough quid pro quo or write up a, a 954 well enough to, with all their accomplishments that had nothing to do with sex trafficking. So as a result of that, it has catastrophic consequence because that, that, that was a lost opportunity to put somebody in a position of leadership who could actually address a real threat and, and bring real corrective action to it. That's 100% the case. Um, apparently, the Twitter space that I went in and got accosted, it's a uh, pro-Palestine space. It's been going on for 144 hours. I just saw somebody call that out in the chat. Uh, 144. Again, again, it's five days of like- space. Let's yeah. go in a Twitter space we're to in a Twitter fix space. the war. And, and not only that, but we're in an echo chamber Twitter space that's so pro-Palestine that we're going to attack anybody. I came in and said, I don't really care. Like, I just care about what happens in America, which I do. Anybody who watches our show knows that, knows that that's what we're trying to have here. That's the nuanced take that we have. And in the meantime, these people are stomping on flags in the streets and doing this. Let's do the, the next video, Ryan, just pull up the next one in order. And I think this one is actually in France. These are the same people who had heads chopped off and were shot by uh, over a hundred people, what, eight years ago. And, uh, and here we are, this is now they are all rallying in order for it, because I guess Macron said this was now illegal to go and support Hamas in public. So this is the French's reaction to it. Here's some more hashtag activism. so brave it's so brave there it is look at them bravely spray painting things in english i guess that's the resistance right spray painting things in english um 100 with it, the brand new banner that they just yeah. had printed now, i'm not a, like i'm never sure if these videos are legit of like where they actually are i'm sure this is from the right time frame but that like that could be england too i look like there's stuff written in english over there who knows um let's do the next video which is just one more one more group of people in France that are celebrating, uh, and they are so proud, so brave. They're going to stand with Palestine, free Palestine, everybody. The open-air prison that the Egyptians won't let um, their side of the border close down either. They're keeping them locked in there from the Egyptian side. We'll stick a pin in France, too, when we, when we get done, done with this one, because i got a comment on that. By all means, let's run, the, let's run this next video here. It's the last one we got. There's a lot of people. I'm trying to make out what that chant was. Did you did you make it out? Like I'm trying to make it out. I think he said boots are boots, la fidelidad, maybe? Does that sound right? Yeah, it sounds like something my wife says in Russian, actually. Uh, but I don't speak Russian. Okay, but fair enough. Actually, but yeah, the way that she talks to her mom, it sounds like one of these, like, yeah, okay, type of throwaway lines. I think boots are boots is exactly what I want to think that they're saying. Whether Puss it's in true boots. Or... 
Boots, boots are boots. Boots are boots. All right, you said you had a pin for uh, let's for France, yeah, and then we'll, I mean, we'll call this thing a day. How long ago was the was the Charlie Hebdo? Or we're all Charlie Hebdo. I am Charlie Hebdo, which was like the free speech absolutism, and contrast that with now you have the the French government saying that it's illegal to protest for Palestine. So you've you've done a one eighty on that that belief where we're going to be absolute and free speech to we're going to restrict that. Now, I mean, wherever your sympathies lie in this, um, uh, I think that that that's a stark reminder of how quickly you, your values as a country can change. And I would say, I would contend that that's because they didn't uh, preserve their ideology as Frenchmen. They allowed the border, their borders, they didn't protect them, and then they, they've been heavily infiltrated and by people who are not assimilated to the culture and uh, have now overwhelmed it. And they're going to have to retaliate with things that are contra- contradicting what they uh, what they say are their values. So we're, we're free speech. And now we're going to have to come down with a hammer. It's forcing you to go against your, your convictions. And I think that uh, we're going to possibly confront that in this country with the way that our our borders been so porous over the last few years, millions of people coming across and unaddressed, and uh, and a government that uh, if you've watched a police state film uh, trailer here in the last uh, few weeks, uh, the the government's not going to hesitate to go after people for their First Amendment protected activity. No, NARS does not care about that uh, unless you're on the protected side of things, in which case you are likely to experience no recourse from the government. You notice that they're all on the political right, and there is something that's another opportunity cost. If you don't defend your culture, someone's going to come in and fill that void and they will attack it. I am 100% behind the free speech. Let the the, the pro-Palestine people say whatever the hell they want um, peacefully in a way that's appropriate. But if they are doing so without a permit and you are going to arrest the MAGA people for not having a permit, I better see them getting locked up for it. You know, uh, free speech is free speech, except when you're like impeding the right of way and stopping people from going to the grocery store or going to their jobs. So uh, it'd be nice if we had a fair system that was universally enforced across the board, but it can't be. Because we got the FBI out there worrying about guys like you and me and not uh, purging their ranks of people that are baiting their wives or leaving their guns out at the uh, at Costco. So there's that. So screwy. I, I mean, it's it's completely on its head. Like this, uh, you always say it like this is the country that, uh, you know, the country I grew up in would invade the country that I live in. And, uh, and it's funny way of thinking about it. But, yeah, there would be like a black ops team that would go in and orchestrate a coup for a takeover um but th- then i can i think somebody's with- doing a coup in this country we have a we have a color <laughs> revolution that's taking place it's just not it's just not 1985 america unfortunately and, and we're being overrun by beta males that are you know soy boys that are coming out and they can't turn their head and walk at the same time like at, at least like let's be let's be let's be courteous Rome, like are we not worthy <laughs> we're not even a, worthy a of real barbarians <laughs> can we have no like nebuchadnezzar come and do something like we have to have soy boys who are gender fluid we're gonna have a new we're gonna have a new uh name for them it's something to the effect of a, ca- a cross between barbarian and beta it's like beta barians or something beta barians are the ones that are taking us over right now it's the weakest <laughs> like no beard capabilities do you know that actually the the the, the idea of barbarism and the word barber they're all related to the the latin word for beard and the barbarians okay. were bearded people. The Romans actually thought it was uncouth to not have uh, a clean face. So you would have been a good Roman. I would have been a barbarian, at least during the uh, the time when the empire was uh, was pushing this out. There were various fads. Beards have always come and gone. But closer to the priest uh, class for a long time would have shaved faces because it was, it was seen as closer to godliness. And so the idea that barbarians were sacking your city was like bearded, you know, wild animals, a bunch of Gerardo Boyle types coming down from the, you know, from the hinterland and just crushing your civilized society down there by the Mediterranean. 
we're we're we have the opposite of it coming in. We have these like you know beta variants. The, the soy boy invasion is happening right now in America. Make a trend, beta variants. Beta variants. We're coming up with something better. We're on the fly here. All right, yeah, we'll work on it, guys. Uh, tag me on social media with what you want to call them, whatever the beta barbarian uh, horde is that's coming in and screwing up our country. Let's uh, let's say thanks to Steve. Steve, tell people about your book. I've got it in the show notes so they can find it there. But uh, give them a give them a pitch for it. Yep. True Blue, My Journey from Beat Cop to Suspended FBI Whistleblower. It's on sale on Amazon. It's pinned to the top of my Twitter and my Truth profiles. Uh, it's uh, It's been doing well. The Amazon still has uh, like 1,500 copies of it. So you can you pick up a copy there and find out what the FBI wanted me to redact, which was basically all of it. And uh, you will find out uh, because I didn't redact any. And then uh, side note, I will be joining Garrett O'Boyle and Sonia Lovasco, both suspendables, tomorrow in Orlando at a convention. We're going to be doing a suspendables roundtable hosted by uh, Congressman Corey Mills. And I uh, hope to give him a suspendables pin and maybe a Matt Gates and Mike Flynn. They're also going to be at this convention. Outstanding. Yeah, let's get some more of those. We gave one to Owen Schroyer the other day. We've got one for Seb Gorka. We got one for Dan Bongino. We got one for Dinesh. We'll hand them out. You guys are going to start seeing these suspendables pins like I'm wearing up here on my uh on my lapel, or I guess this is just like my breastplate here. This is where you would have your operational badge if you were in the military. This is where your jump wings would go or your dye bubble or whatever else I was carrying. Um, yep, we're going to start handing those things out. Are you going to grow a beard? People want to know. People need to know. Is there going to be a Steve friend uh, beard? I'm cursed with uh, the inability to grow a beard, and the few catfish hairs that I do have grow really fast, so I have to shave them twice a day. So no, I'm okay. going to remain a good Roman. Because I think of the Roman Empire like every day. Like, like should, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. Steve, background looks great. My wife even sent me a text message. She was like, his background? Thanks for joining me this morning. Thanks for upgrading all your capabilities. We're moving forward, and uh, I look forward to announcing pretty soon what we got coming up uh, with uh, you, me, and Garrett doing something. I know folks want to see it. The uh, Suspendables Roundtable is probably still percolating, but uh, getting closer to delivery date, yeah? Yeah, yeah, man. It's yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, we, we already got our content. We're ready to go, and I think uh, folks will be really happy with it because the uh, Kyle Seraphin show is, uh, is all alone on its channel. It needs to have some company. Outstanding stuff. Thanks for joining me, buddy. Have a good weekend. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll say this real quick. If you are somebody who's looking for uh, Mike Lindell's pillow company, if you need to buy my pillow stuff and you said, hey, damn it, uh, Jack Poso blocked me and I can't use his promo codes anymore, you can use mine. There you go. Kyle, K-Y-L-E. Um, I've got family members. I know Steve said he was interested in getting some of the sheets. At some point, someone's supposed to send him some. My folks sleep on them. They don't like the Giza Dream sheets like the other ones, the... Uh, the, the crispy ones, whatever those are. Ryan wears the sandals and the slippers, rather. So if you're into it, promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. We get a percentage of your sales. If you're going to buy them anyway, by all means, use ours. Um, otherwise, don't buy them. That doesn't make a difference to us one way or another. We don't mind. And uh, we do appreciate you guys watching. We stream this thing live from Liberty Hill, Texas at 0930. I actually just got an invite to go have some barbecue down the street from me on Twitter by a former action guy, which is kind of cool. I know some of you guys are out there in Texas. We'll have a little Seraphin show meetup. I don't know if we'll film anything or if we'll just have a beer and, and uh, high five each other, but we'll be doing something soon like that, probably in November as the weather starts getting nicer. And we're always really appreciative of all of you joining us uh, five days a week here in the chat. You guys were going off like crazy. I actually walked away from the chat, came back and looked at it again, and there were 90 messages that I missed. If you guys see it, it streams like crazy. So join us on rumble.com slash Kyle Seraphin, where we are uncensored, where we don't get our videos taken down like they do over on YouTube. And we had what, 1,300 or so people hanging out in the chat today? Outstanding stuff. We want to say thanks to all of you that are leaving us the five-star reviews over on Apple. And here is one from today coming from USN. I assume that's U.S. Navy retired. 91 Harley FX. I have no idea what all that is. Pirate flag, American flag. Go for it. A bunch of emojis saying great stuff. Not quite sure how to categorize it so far. In my regular ROT, oh, rotation, I guess, for listening, though, 
I'm one of the few that's going to elect to patronize or make a contribution to. I'll come I'll come up with more informative or an entertaining write-up at a later date. We don't mind, Mike. That's okay. Thanks for a good show. Mike on the Oregon coast, working way deep in the woods. There's actually a, a trending thing I saw on uh, on YouTube the other day. We had the rich man north of Richmond. This was the poor man south of Portland is the answer to that. Uh, maybe Mike is one of those poor men on the Oregon coast trying to just keep it alive. We do appreciate those reviews. We read them live on the show because we appreciate you guys giving them to us. It moves us up in the rankings. It's helped our show break into the top 100 of all political podcasts in the United States, which is not nothing. We've been in the top 70. We've been ranked as high as number eight for certain days, which is bizarre. Anyway, if you guys are following us on Chartable, you can find that out. Uh, share the show if you liked it. Again, the stuff you saw here today with that OPR report, hashtag OPR files are going to be posted on social media by Steve Friend, and they are not available anywhere else. Nobody else has this stuff because nobody else has the bureau contacts that we do. Follow Ryan Matta, M-A-T-T-A, Ryan Matta Media on Twitter, or you can follow him on Rumble. He's got his own channel that he does stuff in the morning. He's also on LFA TV in the afternoon. Check that out. Don't forget to like us. We'll see you again. Have a wonderful weekend, people. Be safe on this day of jihad. Yeah, treat it like a drill, folks. Be safe out there. It's going to be a weird weekend. So keep an eye on those. Keep your head on a swivel. And we love you. And we'll see you then. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter and True Social at Kyle Serafin.